Welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. This is the podcast designed to help you live enthusiastically today and tomorrow and every other day of your life. I am your host, Dr. Ron Kaiser. I'm a positive health psychologist and author of the award-winning and best-selling book, Rejuvenating, the Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm. My website is The Mental Health Gym, and I'm always happy to hear from you with suggestions for future podcast guests, as well as ideas about positive psychology and rejuvenating. As those of you who are regular listeners to our podcast are well aware, while I do once a month do an individual podcast promoting some ideas connected with positive psychology and so on, most of our sessions are really devoted to the notion of having interesting, informative, helpful guests that enable us to both rejuvenate and become the best versions of ourselves that we possibly can. And I can't have a better guest to provide this information than today's guest, who is someone who has accomplished a lot and has helped others to accomplish a lot. And I'm one of those people who he has mentored. I'm very proud of the fact that Adam Lewis Walker has guided me to my first TEDx talk. He's been a real help in promoting the idea of podcasting. And as kind of an aside, his book, Awaken Your Alpha, is considered on Goodreads as the most important book you may ever read. It's rated number one in that category. (laughs) I thought I was doing pretty well. I'm rated number two. But his book is better than mine. Having read both of them, no, Ron, it's just 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 different. They're different books. <laughs> yeah, they are different, but it's still better. <laughs> Let me give him proper introduction, and then we'll move forward. Adam Lewis Walker is a leadership speaker, a TEDx speaker, two-time best-selling author and coach. He hosts the top-rated podcast, Awaken Your Alpha interviewing the world's elite minds in over 370 episodes since early 2014. Adam helps aspiring TEDx speakers to achieve their own talk through his Talk Accelerator program, which I'm sure he'll be telling us about. From this work, he also shares how to get a TEDx talk through the complimentary Talk Accelerator podcast. Adam is a former teacher and international pole vaulter. In 2008, Adam was attempting to reach the Olympics when his career was cut short by a freak accident. According to him, he hit rock bottom, and he had to rebuild his dreams and identity. In doing so, Adam moved forward with his life, gave a TEDx talk, also called Awaken Your Alpha, How to Rise Up, and he has been featured in the Huntington Post, ESPN, PodFest, Influencers Radio, and many other media outlets. In 2018, Awaken Your Alpha, Tales and Tactics to Thrive, became an international bestseller on its release. In 2019, Adam was twice named as an icon of influence at the New Media Summit. 
Adam is a proud parent to Dylan and Harrison and proudly married to his wife, Christina. He's originally from West Sussex in the south of England, but more recently he's achieved a lifelong dream by moving his family to America, and he has obviously been our country's gain as he's been England's loss. Adam, welcome to Rejuvenating. Wow, that is quite an intro, you, you, the full the full whack. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. It's good. We got the sort of all the background out of the way. We can really dig in and give your listeners some value, but I'm very honored to be here. I love speaking to you, Ron. So uh, yeah, it's, it's nice to be on this side of the mic for once and uh, looking forward to it. Great. We're looking forward to it too. And I'm really honored to have you as listeners can probably figure out, while I don't always meet or know the people who I have on my podcast. Adam is somebody I know well and absolutely respect. Adam, perhaps a good place to start would be to see a little bit about how you actually got into who you are now. I I went over some of the history and a lot of people have had their dreams cut short for various reasons and they react in different ways. I'm wondering what, you know, again, your, your goal was to get to the Olympics as a pole vaulter. You were focused on doing that, and suddenly you had to change your dreams. How did you happen to take it in the direction that you did? Yeah, great question. It's interesting, actually. A lot of times, I, you know, I glance over this next bit. Like you said, my aspiration was to get to the Olympics, and the reality was, I, I in a certain way, I wasn't too worried or how I got to the Olympics. I was, it, that was the goal. And so there's always different ways. So actually after the pole vault accident, when I couldn't pole vault anymore, and there was sort of two years of sort of multiple operations, rehab, crutches, and the, the very slow realization that, you know, that's not going to happen down the avenue. My knee was so bad that, <laughs> say my knee was so bad, but the mindset, I, you know, became very depressed and was very lost because my identity was really wrapped up with pole vaulting. I was introduced as the pole vaulter and And that's kind of what I was known for. And after that, I just didn't know what I was doing. Um, But I ended up making the Great Britain Paralympic volleyball team because my knee was so messed up. They have uh, a couple of spots actually for uh, minimally disabled athletes, they class them as. And I didn't feel that way, but um, they invited me to a sort of Paralympic potential day and found out the level of my knee being as bad as it would, qualified for one of these spots. And I I had a uh, quite a natural ability for volleyball and sort of that aspect. Um, so I, I got sucked up in for a, a good year or two, still trying to get to the Olympics or Paralympics then in another discipline. And the reality is I had to, it's great to have these goals and things, but I had to at some point face up to the reality, what was in front of me that, you know, I wasn't going to get to the Olympics. Number one, I wasn't going to get to the Paralympics because the way, as I said, there was two spots and the best players in the uh, Great Britain volleyball team were ex-Great Britain standing volleyball players, basically our best players. And every time there was a big championships or world championships, they would pretty much walk in the team. No matter how much work he was putting in, they had, you know, 20 years established in that realm. And I'm, you know, relatively a newcomer. So I had to, you know, readjust. So that was kind of, it took me a while to get off the Olympic theme. But ultimately, it created a big gap in my life that was really dedicated to getting to high-level sports. I was still coaching people, but realistically, my primary focus, as you have to be if you get into the Olympics or trying to, was on my own performance. So with that 
big gap, then I've really shifted to helping other people more and more from a position of, you know, I've gone through some adversities and, you know, I've been there, done it in some ways. And then I thought I could help people around that theme because I really struggled for a good couple of years. And that was really trying to come at it with positive psychology, but it was not working because I'm quite a positive person. So I was smiling on the outside. I was still trying to move forwards, but realistically, I was really struggling and I just wanted to get better. And it took a long time to, you know, adjusting. It was a, you know, a, a tough few years. I can imagine it was, but perhaps at this point, you're better known than you would have been as a pole vaulter. I don't think I'd have been sitting here talking to you today. I suppose that's an important thing sometimes as well to grow. Sometimes you've got to just let certain things go that aren't helping you, that are dragging you down. And, And that comes from, you know, reassessing not what you wish things were, but where are you currently now? And then what are your options and what are things that you can aspire to that are realistic <laughs> and, and I, you know I, I'm up all for setting big goals but also you know you can't change well, once you're grown up you can't change particularly your height <laughs> you can't change certain things you, if you've had an accident you can't change your age there's certain things that you know opportunities open up to you as you get older and other things you know like I can't be a, an elite level pole vaulter that's one thing but there's lots of other things so it's just about assessing and readjusting and still progressing as you go Yeah, that's a tremendous philosophy of life because the reality is that you're made up of several parts of you and to focus on the one thing really diminishes, you know, overall. I think a lot of people do that. They focus, probably got more than that as we all do, but they might have one weakness and they just focus on that and really don't do themselves any favors, you know, as they're going forward. I was interviewing Gay Hendricks of The Big Leap and he was talking about, you know, different phases of your life. And I think he said, yeah, from 40 onwards, you really need to focus on creativity to keep yourself mentally alert and, you know, to have a fulfilled life. And that's the phase of your life. You've spent like, say, 40 years of doing all these different things. But, you know, going forwards, you really need to, especially in your relationships, you need to have that creative outlet in some way, shape or form. Well, it sounds like you've built it into a, a really coherent philosophy. I mentioned both the book and podcasts and the talk kind of center around Awaken Your Alpha. And I'm sure some people probably haven't heard about it or it's a new concept to them. Can you give us kind of the short course on yep. what do you mean by Awaken Your Alpha? Initially, and this it comes from that, that work of going through it like we did with the sort of the TEDx formula and simplifying things and cutting them down and getting really clear on things. So initially when I started the podcast, it was I had the name and it was really about, you know, just that that slight improvement and something I'd sort of battled through from coming out some folks struggling to then, you know, what I'd consider doing okay and then, you know, thriving. The concept of waking your alpha, the definition of alpha in the dictionary, from the solar system, it's Alpha Centauri, which is star that shines the brightest. And from the animal kingdom is to achieve the highest rank in a dominance sort of hierarchy. So how I interpret that is, you know, to achieve the highest rank in areas of your life that you believe are important. So it could be family, social, financial, you know, your location. It's up to you. And that's where it really gets very individual. It's not to be judged by someone else. And then, you know, to shine as bright as you can with your time on this planet. Again, it's what is important to you and to, you know, at that level of high performance as well. And if you're trying to follow someone else's definition of success, you're going to be very unhappy. You may get there and be successful at something that you're not that bothered about or it doesn't light you up. And so it's really to uh, illuminate 
yourself and others not to put them in your shadow. So that's really the Awaken Your Alpha concept. And that's why in that, the truest sense of the philosophy, it's not about male or female. I think in the dictionary for sort of the, in the animal kingdom, they actually use the alpha female of the, you know, of the elephant pack. So there's no mention of male or female there. And my podcast is you've got to have a, you know, a target because you try and speak to everyone, you speak to no one. So it is a, you know, on the surface, there's a male development podcast, but all and everything else I do and the philosophies, I think, I think at least half of the people who've read the book are female. It's probably more. <laughs> Great. Great. Well, that leads me to another question. Many of the listeners of this podcast, many of the readers of my book, hopefully not all of them, but many of them are in the older age ranges. What advice from Awaken Your Alpha can you give to them? Because for many people, I mean, one of the struggles is to kind of make sure that they're not running out the clock or that they're not giving up on some dreams that they still have time to fulfill. And I just kind of wonder what advice you give to this population. Yeah. So the concept of Awaken Your Alpha, I broke it down in my TEDx talk, which you could obviously go and have a little look at, but it was awareness, action, and ascension. And that's not a one-off thing. It's a constant thing. So as you reach different phases of your life, it's the awareness of obviously where you are now, whether that's going into retirement or not. Because again, that's not something that's, that's a society thing that feels like you have to retire. It's, it's up to you. And we're going to talk about you know decisions you make. So awareness of where you currently are, and then you know, awareness of where you want to be. And it, again, it doesn't have to be in a, a career-wise. It can be in all aspects, or it should be in all aspects of your life. And then identifying that gap where maybe you're a bit bit far off where you you feel you you want to be or you, you want to go. So then it's about what are the actions to get you there. And just that awareness of knowing the direction you need to be facing, that means, you know, just taking them small daily steps and actions. So that's the second phase, taking actions that are going to close the gap a bit. And then that's the, the ascension is when you obviously start momentum, start improving. And then it's, again, reassess because you, you can change your mind. You know, don't feel like you have to set these goals as, as I had to. You know, you don't set these goals and just, you know, driving yourself into the ground and thinking, why am I doing this? That constant reassessing if something's not feeling right. It's the very cyclic nature. And we talk about before the interview, the Japanese concept of ikigai, which is translated as iki, which is basically life. And then guy, which is worth. So, you know, what gives your life worth basically is the concept. And this, you know, talks about, if anything, it can be more important as you get older because you may have been in a career or something that you've, you've got used to and you've got purpose from that. And then for whatever reason, it may not even be you having as much choice as you like. That finishes. So now it's a concept of what does the world need? What do you love? What, you know, fires you up? And and also, again, doesn't have to be the aspect of what can you be paid for dependent. But again, just because you get older, it's nice to have uh, using your experience and your skills and expertise, but that largely as well, that someone who's younger cannot compete on that. Yes, you might not be able to compete at them in pole vault <laughs> when you're 80 or so, but there's other aspects that they can't compete with you and you're very unique. So I think it's important to find something that you are you know, really into that maybe you didn't get a chance to do when you was younger. And then also that the world needs, and that doesn't have to be paid necessarily, but that would really help you, you know, really, if you're getting paid for it in some way, shape or form, then it will help you go further in that. And again, this concept of ikigai, it can be covered with multiple things. It doesn't have to be your hobby 
covers all these things because you, you might not be getting paid for it. It doesn't have to be that your job covers all these aspects. Your life is the whole. So it could be you've got a, you know, a very keen hobby and you've got a job that maybe fills the other bits that your hobby doesn't cover, whether it's, you know, you do get reimbursed for it. The world needs it. You know, a doctor, the world definitely needs that. So it's about looking at that concept and just experimenting, playing, playing around with this concept. So say if you take a piece of paper and, and draw these four sort of, it's almost like a Venn diagram, but these four overlapping circles of what you love, what you're good at, what the world needs and what you can be paid for. And then you can, you just play around with different aspects of your life. Yeah, it's great if, you know, one thing covers all of these four and you find it right in the middle. That's the icky guy, but it may be and more likely is made up of a, a few elements. So that's something it's good to play around with. Even if you're not where you want to be now, it illuminates maybe areas that actually that needs a bit of work. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I love what I do. The world needs it, but I'm, I'm not that good at it. <laughs> so that might illuminate, actually, I need to do a little bit of extra training or take some courses or you know, work with someone who knows what they're doing. It's very individual. You, maybe you can be paid for it. And the world needs it, but you don't love it at all. But you, you, you feel like you've got some expertise in it. So you may combine that with adding a hobby or something that you do love to your life. So then ultimately, that's what you've got. So it's, it's a very individual thing. And it's a cool concept that I, you know, it's not my concept, but I like to share that. <laughs> yeah, this is terrific, Adam. I think one of the concepts that you mentioned that's particularly relevant throughout the lifespan is, is the idea of reassessment. Because if, you're, if that's a part of you, then you're always growing. You're always looking at the fact that, hey, I'm not sitting on the couch and doing nothing. But part of my life is to always be reassessing what's next. And you know what yeah. can I pull from in my past? What can I pull from in terms of things I want to do and so on? So yeah. I and I always, I always need to review that and remind myself of that because being very kind of, if I set something, I'm like, I'm going to do this. And I'm sure there's lots of people listening and you feel like you keep sticking on it until you get it done. You know, I'm a man of my word. If I say I'm going to do something, I do it. But then there's also, that's where the assessment comes in. If it's taking you a long time or you may be a different person a year from now, but you're still following your kind of your goal, your direction, what you set a year ago. And if you actually stop to reassess, you think, actually, there's no harm and if you've changed and that's not something you want to pursue or you found out a lot more about it and you think, actually, that's not what I thought it was. So that's where that reassessment comes in. And, you know, and ultimately, if you're achieving something, the nature of it, a lot of times you do need to stop certain things that are holding you back. And it could be your goal is actually holding you back in some ways if you haven't reassessed it for like a couple of years or more than that. When, when I set something, as I say, I can, in a good way, be very tunnel vision, but I have to be aware that, wait a minute, you need to reassess. And do, do, am I doing this for the right reason? Or why am I doing this? That's always a, an important question to ask yourself. And, and the concept of Awaken Your Alpha as well is not to sacrifice long-term one key aspect of your life for success in another. So I don't interview, for example, someone who may be a billionaire, but is massively out of shape and unhealthy. Because that might not be a direct trade-off, but they have achieved massive success in one aspect, one aspect but they've let something slide hugely over time to get to that level. I think that's important. And if you, like we all do for deadlines and different things, for short periods, have this intentional imbalance is very different where you're thinking, actually, you know, I've got to get this done. I'm, you know, this isn't sustainable, but I'm aware of that. And then it may be right. I, you know, I get the book in for a publishing deadline. I'm going to have two weeks off where I'm just with my family because maybe 
in the time leading up to that, you might have had to intentionally work a little bit longer and maybe neglect them a little bit in that time period. So there's different things like that and everyone's different. Yeah, I think one of the things I really admire about you, among many other things, is the fact that it really seems like you have a really good work-life balance and your your family is very important to you. I see things posted on social media and so on. I mean, is that a conscious decision or is that the way that you grew up? And how do you how do you manage that? Because as you heard from the introduction, you do a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a conscious decision. As I say, I have all these different aspects like we all do. And it's just it comes back to your own values about what you truly value. And I think your action really shows what you truly value. I think everyone would say, oh, family's important to me. But if you look at some people's actions, and this is not in a judgment, I should say, look at your own actions, do your actions support your core beliefs. And I always come back to, you know, if you look at some of, not being morbidly, but in my book as well, it it talks about uh, mortality. And I feel very aware of, you know, we're not here forever. There is, you know, there is an urgency in what I do. And, And then when you look at these studies of, you know, top regrets of people, and the family one and, and moments and time, it always comes back to that. Very rarely, uh, I don't think ever, it sounds like, I wish I earned more money or I wish I worked that little bit extra. So I think it's important to just have that awareness of we are, you know, when we're not immortal. And so I, I like to have that balance. And I talked about readdressing for different times. But completely honestly, when I, when I grew up, my, I actually, I had my own limiting beliefs around actually money more than anything. And I actually sort of, very naturally moved away from anything that I thought would, you know, that paid quite well. I always sort of naturally gravitated towards, I was a PE teacher for, uh, you know, 10 years because I saw the lifestyle aspect of it. They had the summers off, they got to play sports, they, you know, they were very active in a healthy way. So that's what attracted me down that route. I wanted to be a graphic designer or a, a PE teacher was kind of my things. And it was that creative outlet. But I didn't notice until years later, any job that I thought had a nice pay attached to it, I kind of, moved away from it. And a lot of my friends got sucked into London because where I live is sort of 40 minutes outside London for the money. And I saw lots of my friends earn really a lot of money. But in my opinion, and this is just for me, it's great for them. But for me, they were like high, you know, high earnings, but very poor on time. You know, they would leave before it was light and they would travel, commute into London. There's a lot of people doing that area, work very long hours and then have the commute on top of that. From my opinion, for me personally, that would have not been a life for me, but I could see they, they had the financial rewards, but they, they really sacrificed a lot. So it took me a long time to, and I'm still working it, realize that you can do well and do good and help people in many ways and pursue what you love and still get paid what you're worth. And so I do value time hugely over money in some ways. And completely honestly, if I assess my 2019, I would say, that would be an area of financials that need to be improved. But I'm very happy. I, I don't think they're correlated, but I had one of my you know, best years in terms of family time and experiences and memories. So I'm very happy, but I also need to always be aware of if you let a, drop the ball too much in one area, it will bite you in the butt <laughs> eventually. Yeah, it's a constant thing. Like we said, reassessing what's worked well and how can you tweak and improve things. And we're all a work in progress. Thanks for sharing all that. On kind of a related note, what went into the decision to move to the United States and has it been a good one for you? Yeah, lifestyle. <laughs> Growing up, I was you know big into basketball and I loved the positive culture over here. And 
you can argue both ways. I know there's negative Americans. I know there's negative English people. But across the board, I noticed definitely a slightly different mentality when I used to come across and visit here. One of my best man, my best friend, he moved across with his family when he was like 11 and I came and visited them and different things. And I noticed the difference. Yes, yeah, so it was always in the back of the mind. And when it came to my first son was born, we set the deadline literally that day. Because one of them, a lot of people have dreams and aspirations that do certain things one day. And if I was honest, that moving to America was one of them. I thought like one day I'll move to America. So when my son was born, that we set a natural deadline that we want to, we will move to America before he starts school. So that's five years. You think, oh, that's quite a long term. But that came around quick. And in terms of getting in the country, you know, there's a lot of red tape you've got to go through. But we landed about a week before he started school. We actually had him enrolled in both schools, one in England, one in America. And where we've moved to, I mean, it's not just the England to America aspect. It's from, you know, quite an urban area in England to we're in the, the wilderness up on the Great Lakes in northern Michigan, a couple of blocks from the beach. I, most days, yeah, pretty much every day, the average day I, I start with down by the lake, regardless of the weather, because we're, you know, we're in the minus temperatures now. And it's, yeah, it's part of the lifestyle. And I, I, I don't take it for granted because I know from speaking to a lot of people who grew up in this area, the lake's there, but they might not see it or notice it's there that much. But I, I'm you know, very grateful to have that wilderness and environment around us. So yeah, that was, it was definitely a conscious decision. We moved to where my, my wife's family, we used to visit them in northern Michigan is how we found that. And we're just like, wow, you know, for two young boys that we've got now in the environment, for me, it's like 1950s America. They run outside, they're off and around. There's zero crime where we are. Where I was originally from, we couldn't let them outside unsupervised anytime. <laughs> it just wasn't a wise decision to do that. Yeah, I would certainly second the notion of, you know, the lifestyle as being, you know, a very important consideration. Uh, four and a half years ago, we made a slightly different decision in terms of moving to the, from the suburbs to the city. But at this point, just some of the things like being able to walk to work, being able to, oh. to walk to restaurants and cultural events and so on, that meets our lifestyle. Yeah. Right. Obviously, and, that wasn't what we were doing or most interested in when we were raising our sons. For us, you know, it's, it's not perfect. It's definitely an adjustment. And all the things we got used to and took for granted over there, just the uh, amount of amenities that we had in, like, in a highly populated area, you could pretty much do anything. A lot of times you didn't, but the option was there. And I've noticed that here, obviously, all the things we came here for, you know, the, the wilderness, the, you know, the space, that side of things, obviously, the flip side of that there's, you can't pop and do certain things that you used to do in England and have you know that 24-7 access to certain things. It's just not here. But then you can't have one without the other in some ways because if, if you had a load more people and you know basically how it was in, where I was in England, then you'd lose a lot of the things we came here for. So you know it's, it's always a trade-off and what are you willing to sacrifice? And there's kind of no right or wrong. It's what works well for you. Great. And again, thanks for all that, that information. And for being, you know, a role model for, for others. And I suppose that's why podcasting works well for me because I am in Northern Michigan in the middle of nowhere. I'm in my basement now. You know, I'd done uh, ventures into the online world before I moved to America. And when it was an aspect without this, you know, communication and, and you know, collaborating with like minds, it didn't work well. You know, I was not happy. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that brings me to another question. I think most people know what a podcast is and what a book is, 
And since you're in a position to help people in lots of different ways, not everybody may know what a TEDx talk is. Can you run that bias a little yeah, bit? Definitely. Yeah, yeah. So a t- TEDx talk, in the simplest sense, is an idea worth sharing. So they built up a really good platform that very high quality talks and ideas, I should say, that are worth sharing, number one, and under 18 minutes. And they seem to be getting shorter as a trend. So they're very you know, shareable, usable great load of information when I used to work in schools and I know a lot of teachers use them you know to help illustrate a point because obviously it's, it's got to be very captivating and an idea worth sharing they always come back to that so if you have a lot of people have a message if you have a message worth sharing then within that what is potentially a, a unique idea worth sharing within that that you can articulate and most of us have something that we believe is worth sharing and then doing the work to really fine-tune that down and down. What is the essential? What is the real idea within that? So, you know, you can be more articulate to spread your message. And as I say, you know, TED Talks, if you get the right one or it catches fire, it can, you know, can have a very wide reach. That's the platform that, you know, Ron's been on. I've been on that platform because I, I, we both felt we had a message worth sharing. And this is a great way to share it. And it's not just about that people can see it. It helps you, as I say, going through that process, articulate your message or your idea more clearly. And it, I used it as a stepping stone for the book because up to that point, it was Awaken Your Alpha and it was more vague. Uh, but having to go through that creativity thrives under constraints and get it into the awareness, action, and sension, that ended up being the, you know, the three sections of my book. It's something that had a, a big impact in, in my life. So people always ask me, how do you get a TEDx? How do you do a podcast? And we, you know, we talk about things that light you up. Both of them interest me, but I got a little bit more excited about the TEDx talks and helping people with that. So that kind of naturally evolved. So yeah, does that answer your question? <laughs> yes, and, and certainly if listeners want to get a uh, better idea of the length and time frame and the idea behind it, both Adam's and my TEDx talks are, are on YouTube and accessible. And yeah, I, it's, I mean, it's a really good communication tool. If someone comes across you and is not sure what you're all about, it's a really useful thing to be able to send people and say, well, this is what I'm all about, or it's not too long. So if someone's interested, it should do, put you and your message in its best light where you, you, know, you put the work in so you can send people little clips. It's very shareable. It's a good communication tool for someone. So actually, I really like what you're all about and you know, can connect that way. Or on the flip side, just as useful, if they actually that's not really doesn't really align with what I'm about. I'll leave it, which is which is fine because we're all different. Yeah, and I can vouch for the fact that the best way to prepare for it is by joining Adam's <laughs> Talk Accelerator Group. I, you know, I had been kicking around the idea of a TEDx talk for for a number of years, and thought I would just do an application at some point and get prepared. But it, it's pretty significant preparation process that's involved and Adam prepares you really well because ultimately even if your topic is accepted most places I believe are going to have you present before you you actually do the actual presentation you have to be well prepared one of the benefits of it being you know 12 or 15 or 18 minutes is the fact that you can over time learn to remember most of what you're trying to say uh, but you have to, you have to be prepared to do yeah, it. Yeah, I would say, yeah, if, if it was a, you know, an hour talk, you probably, you well, you would need a lot less preparation than a 10 minute talk because it's just like, wow, 
you really, you know, you can, you can, you've got more space than say an hour talk to not ramble, but you know, to just feel it out and go through it. Whereas really every word counts. And I think that first, you know, 30 to 60 seconds as well, because you've got to capture attention and hold it. And that's in terms of the helping people the the Talk Accelerator podcast is now out, which is completely free for people to go and, you know, listen to TEDx speakers and how they're taking it and how they landed their talk and what worked and what didn't work and the experience and also TEDx organizers, which is, is a new thing. And, and that's come through the process of working people like yourself, Ron. If I wasn't a podcaster before that with my, you know, Awaken Your Alpha, I don't think I would have launched a podcast completely for free that would help people in that way. But it's because, because I, my expertise was podcasting, I can put this second podcast out with relatively lower effort because I know what to do and just help a lot more people. And that's, you know, the, the thing I like about TED Talks and podcasts. If, if someone comes looking and needs that support in that way, you know, there's, there's a wealth of knowledge out there nowadays. And you just, you know, as well as free, as well as paid, you can, you can get a lot. There's options for pretty much everyone. Great. And uh, as I assumed would happen, we've run out of time before we ran out of things to talk about. <laughs> so uh, we're going to still have to look at possibly getting you back again. I'll come, yeah, I'll come back. Yeah, we've only scratched the surface, but it's been, it's been brilliant. It's, uh, it's yeah, good. Really, really gained a lot from you in so many different areas. The only thing that's kind of left is to let people know you know, among the various things that you can help them with, how do they get in touch with you or reach some of the various things that you provide and so on? Adam Lewis will go across all social media, talkaccelerator.com. You can go there and you can actually see the information, listen to the podcast, and if relevant, a complimentary idea clarity course, just having that uh, one-to-one, you know, 20 minutes to bounce your ideas off and get my opinion on what I think could improve your idea or, you know, just having that sounding board. So that's something I offer. In terms of the, if you've liked the sort of the conversation and what we've been talking about, the Awaken Your Alpha book is on Amazon all over the world. I'd really love to hear your opinion on that, as is you know the podcast that has been going almost six years now. So um, yeah, please do reach out. It's ayalpha.com for the podcast. Talk Accelerator for the TEDx and the podcast there as well. But as I say, if you search Adam Lewis Walker or Awaken Your Alpha, put them together, you probably get the TEDx talk come up in the search bar. But no, if any of this interest, just connect across social media. And I'd love to hear from you individually. Um, and yeah, let me know what you're up to. And we'll have all this information available in the show notes too. So uh, if you didn't catch it, you can either replay it or just look at the show notes. And I think we'll have everything that you mentioned in there. Again, I can't thank you enough, Adam, for what You've provided for us. I expected nothing less, and (laughs) you just outdid yourself. Really, really appreciate it, and hope you will be back with us at some future point. Yep, whenever you want me, I'll be back. (laughs) Okay, great. Well, thanks again. And in closing, let me say that you know that three out of four podcasts a month feature interesting guests like Adam, and lots of people that help you live your life as enthusiastically as possible. And I, again, encourage you to visit my website, thementalhealthgym.com. You can contact me at ron.kaiser at thementalhealthgym.com. And we hope that you will listen to these podcasts and rate them and subscribe. 
And uh, again, not just mine, but Adam has a really well-attended podcast with lots of great information and great guests. And so until next time, this is Dr. Ron Kaiser signing off and encouraging you to live your life enthusiastically every day of your life.